0: Everybody in Ohio this morning grabbed a little pocket schedule like Joy talked about yesterday. W, W on Tennessee. Okay, W on Tennessee. Well, let's just examine Tennessee. They finished with a better record than you did last year. Uh, Unlike the Browns who beat one playoff team, one in five against playoff teams, only went against Baltimore Joe Flacco, who was later benched. Oh, Tennessee throttled Dallas, humiliated New England, clobbered Philadelphia. Well, but we added a lot of new pieces Oh, so did Tennessee. Adam Humphreys was the most expensive slot receiver. Cameron Wake's old, but he'll be a pass rusher. And they upgraded their offensive line, taking a Ram, who is now a Tennessee Titan. You know, by the way, they do not have a rookie coach. They have maybe the smartest and most successful of Bills coordinators, Mike Vrabel, the former player. My sources tell me Mike Vrabel, of all the New England Belichick guys, of all of them, Vrabel's going to work. Now, he was never a top assistant for Belichick. He was a player for him. But my guys in the NFL, my scouts, my guys say Tennessee's well-coached. They were a Blaine Gabbert start for making the playoffs last year. And they have a history of going into places and stunning people. They're a very physical football team. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? Stone's Weekly Dose. Because
1: I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy.
0: Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Not the South, change
1: Show to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody, to the not-so-weekly dose, the supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast. The day after 423 day. I saw that being posted around Nathan Gale specifically, and I was like, the hell is 423 day? Oh, dummy, that's right, 423. Today is the weekly dose for 424. Back from a long week on vacation. Uh, People, sometimes I I have a hard time defining the word vacation. Did you go on vacation? I went to North Carolina and I didn't go to work. Does that mean I went on vacation? uh, Okay, I had a great vacation. And that's just, you know, the typical kind of mess you get when you get back from something like that. I mean, I just... The small talkification of the world is driving me nuts. I know I'm not telling anybody anything new that I haven't said before, and I can no you hear some people get some new material, bro. Like, I get it. I get it. But Sue,
0: so, how was your vacation? Did you have a good vacation?
1: What's was your va- uh, vacay? Sue, so, what did you do on vacay? Oh, my God. It's almost, I almost want to say I'm never going to take a vacation, quote, unquote, ever again, just so I don't have to come back to being asked that, asinine question. And I'm not talking about friends that just want to know more about it because they saw your Instagram stories. It was a great time. I'm going to spend a whole damn podcast on it, but I don't need the cleaning lady. I don't need the front desk lady. I don't need the guy in accounting. Oh, oh, heck of a vacation, huh? Was that a good time? Shut up and leave me alone. (laughs) Just go away. I've got a mountain of work to do. And yes, there is truth to the, uh, the kind of the saying, I guess, that oftentimes we need a vacation from our vacation, and I am still kind of in that mood, uh, mode, mood, I guess, both. I called it a tolerating Tuesday on the radio earlier on Tuesday, and a uh, what did I call Monday? Uh, not manageable. I don't remember whatever it was. A uh or just a vacation from my vacation Monday. So anyway, back at it. Gonna have the show this week. Likely have a show next week as well. Uh Letitia Wolf from The Dead Dead should be joining me. They have a show coming up here in the middle of May that I want to make sure and get them some love. So that should be next week. Not guaranteed to be on uh, Wednesday, but that as you know is always the goal so let's see what's going on in today's show three segment show the final segment of the show is going to be kind of a preview of an idea I'm putting together for when I get this patreon thing going for those of you that don't know what it is I'm going to have trouble uh, describing it because I don't really know what it is all that much either other than it is a form of crowd sourcing and what it is is it's a way to um to to solicit money essentially from your quote unquote fan base for exclusive content or exclusive goods or exclusive, whatever it is that you're trying to distribute. And I got this idea from a buddy I work with. And then my girlfriend has gone on and on about how much she liked the idea and giving me more ideas that I, I don't watch a lot of TV and I don't watch any movies. And so uh, the idea from the guy I work with is like, Hey man, what you should do is put this out there you know, once a month or or once a quarter or whatever you decide to do that, you know, hey, I'm going to take suggestions for movies or TV shows to to sample them and then do a uh, like a, a review uh, podcast of it. Not a reoccurring kind of thing, just like a bunch of one offs. Uh, this show has no set specific uh, subject matter. That's what makes it so difficult to try to sell to somebody who's never heard of me before. If this was a Game of Thrones podcast and I put all my time and effort into a Game of Thrones podcast and I got it into the right hands and, and and eyes and ears, well, it'd probably be pretty successful because it would be one of the more professionally done ones out there. But that would bore the hell out of me because, well, I'll get to that in the third segment of the show. I am going to talk about the show Game of Thrones. So, so if you have not been, if you are not caught up through season seven of Game of Thrones, you need not listen to the last third of this podcast. And hell, you've already downloaded it likely at this point. So if you just want to bail out now, go right ahead. But just do not get mad at me. Do not m- misunderstand me. Don't just hear this, listen. There are spoilers throughout the final segment of this show of Game of Thrones seasons one through seven. Now, I don't know what those spoilers are going to be. I don't know how uh, drastic the spoilers might be because I don't have a script. I just kind of do what I do and whatever happens and whatever I say is how it goes. But there's no chance I'm not going to get through that segment without giving up and giving away all kinds of uh, very important information. Maybe it's only three or four pieces. Maybe it's 10, 12. I don't know. But if you listen to that, and you're not caught up through season seven, you will be spoiled. Or if you plan on watching the show into the future, maybe you're thinking, down the road, once it's over, I'll watch it. Well, then you need to also steer clear of the final segment. Is this show that good? Is this show that well-written? Is it that creative? And does it cater to the lowest common denominator more than it does the intellectual type at all? More of that coming up in the final segment of the show. The first segment, I'm just going to talk about the uh, trip to Asheville and to the rural areas of North Carolina. And in the second segment, it's going to be an extension of that same conversation, and it, I'm going to explain to you wh- my favorite thing I got while I was in Asheville and why these kinds of things are so fascinating and in, eh, maybe important isn't qu- quite the right word. But I think saying that I'm a little bit obsessed with with a certain kind of uh, decorative nature of where I live and how I, will just say, express myself. Uh, obsession might be the right word, and I'll look more into that into the second segment of the show. But to get things started here, as I've mentioned many times over the years, and certainly uh, two weeks ago's show on my birthday, this is hashtag my month, my favorite time of the year. And so the long stretch of uh, vacation if you will, started on what would that have been? I guess that would have been 10, 11, 12. That would have been the 12th. And there was a lot of things going on that Friday night. And, of course, I'm off the whole next week. And there's Lord Haran at the Signal. I could have easily gotten tickets even though that was a sold-out show. There was Leon Bridges at the Memorial Auditorium where I had countless emails asking me if I needed tickets and if I did, how many. And I decided not to go to that Either there was also the Three Bridges uh, Arts Festival VIP super exclusive party pre-party on that Friday night that I was given uh, the uh, the email saying hey do I need a, a plus one for this so multiple options are going to cost me zero dollars and zero cents and instead what did I do I went to Songbirds North to see Kevin Kenny. To get that week started, Kevin Kenny of Driving and Crying is one of the most incredible storytellers you will ever see he's one of the most best songwriters and intelligent storytellers you've likely never heard of before and it was a gem it was absolutely incredible and I spent 20 bucks to get in and I spent 20 bucks almost a piece on the double of uh, vodka tonics because they had the worst gin ever New Amsterdam and I couldn't have been happier I stayed afterwards took a couple pictures with him talked to him for a minute or two I mean we've done that before it's not like that's something that's difficult to do anybody who wanted to do it could have. It was quite a uh, very nice way to start off the weekend. Then I had to work around the house, cut grass, get ready to leave town for the week. And I also had to cram in about four hours of Game of Thrones because I have been watching that show on a binge since, oh, I don't know, this this year anyway, but it might have been January. I'm not sure to catch up because my girlfriend cannot miss one second, has to watch it the minute it is available at 9 o'clock on Sundays on April 14th when the season premiere hit. More on, again, on this at the tail end of the show, but I had to watch a, a ridiculous amount of Game of Thrones all that weekend leading up to I got done with the season about an hour, about one solid hour before the final season premiere that Sunday night. watched that, and uh, there you go. Done with that weekend. Again, more GOT at the end of the show. Then went to the Ryman Auditorium uh, Monday night in Nashville. Yeah, went to Asheville via Nashville. Not the best way to do it, but I have to be honest on this one. I drank too much. Shocking news, I, I know, right? And because I was really happy. It was a great, nice weather day in the week, was uh, just underway, and I and I drank kind of all day. And next thing you know, I wake up on Tuesday, and I don't remember the show as well as I wish that I did. But uh, nobody got uh, hurt. Nobody did anything to harm anybody else. Uh, everything was safe. No arguments. All good. So Death Cab on Monday night to get things rolling. Then we leave a little later than we would like from Nashville on Tuesday, and that's a four-and-a-half-hour drive if you don't run into traffic on uh, I forty in rural Tennessee, and if you don't run into traffic in Knoxville as you drive through the teeth of the city at uh, at rush hour, right at five o'clock. On a, uh, on a Tuesday. And if you don't get a slowdown as you go through the mountains, it took us damn near six hours to get to Asheville. We get settled into the uh, to the neighborhood of West Asheville around seven 7.30 at night or so. We go hit a couple of bars, hang out, uh, go to a couple of really cool places. And uh, that's Tuesday. Wednesday. Wednesday is just really a fuller version, a more mapped out version of what the Tuesday night was. Went into downtown and more of West Asheville. It's where I scored the best thing ever. Hashtag. I will explain more of that into the second segment, just basically hitting bars and restaurants and, and, and little hippy-dippy dive shops and head shops and a whole bunch of other stuff like that, a lot of fun. And then into Thursday, we pack up from where our Airbnb is, and we head to Weaversville, North Carolina, about uh, 15 miles maybe wet, northwest of, uh, of Asheville. And we stay that night in what is called a yurt, technically, Y-U-R-T. It's basically... a a bubble, a dome out in the middle of a wooded property that you can get through an Airbnb. It's kind of the same thing I did with that treehouse thing in Murphy a few weeks ago, if you heard that podcast. And Really, at the end of the day, all it is is you're camping, except you have a really, really awesome tent. that has got a mattress in it and some a little bit of electricity and some lights hung up in there. The storm came in. We got there early, got everything we needed in. It was really, really, really nice. Really nice. Spent some time out in the creek. Uh, I skipped over a very important part. Earlier that day, before we did that, after we were leaving West Asheville, I got in a kayak for the very first time in my life. Yes, a tandem. We won't do tandems next time. We'll do singles. I just didn't want to do a single but you know, for the first time ever down the, uh, French broad river. I, I don't know, A couple of miles maybe. Um, did I love it? Am I passionate about it? Eh, No, I don't know that I loved it and I'm certainly not passionate about it, but was it really, really nice on a really, really nice day with a drink and coasting down, passing the Biltmore on our right on the French broad river in Asheville, North Carolina. You're damn right. That was a lot of fun. And so we wake up on Friday, and there's just a washout. You guys got the uh, the same storm here that we had in Carolina when it got chilly again Friday into Saturday last week. And uh, just got pounded by rain. Now, while we were in the yurt, we were having—that was great. Slept well, really peaceful, nice, had music going, all the good, fun stuff you would do in a setting like that. And But the next day, there was about a four-hour window of nonstop rain. So we uh, we pack up the car in the rain. It's a mess. We're a mess. Uh, just, I mean, covered in dirt and sweat and everything else from just being out in the creeks and in the woods for the last, you know, basically 30 hours or so. And we don't know what we're going to do. Originally, we originally were maybe going to go to Atlanta to go to the 420 Festival. Uh, that was originally the plan, but it just didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense at that point. But we really couldn't go anywhere because we were too big of a mess to go to anywhere of business. So we decided to start driving around, even though it is raining, which makes me a nervous wreck anyway, and her too a little bit. This kind of rain, it should make anybody uh, a little nervous because there was a lot of flooding, a lot of run a water runoff from the mountains and the streams and all that, a little bit of, you know, uh, uh, creeks that were way overflowing. And we decided to drive to Hot Springs, North Carolina, which is about uh, 30 miles to the east. No, excuse me, 30 miles to the west towards uh, Knoxville, Greenville, Tennessee. And man, that was a decision we weren't sure was a good idea or not. Turned out to be excellent. We found this little bar. I mean, it's hard not to find it. There's only one little main drag, and it is it is charming and quaint and neat and old and and, and historic. But there ain't much there. And we see these. I see the, the Grateful Dead bears on the outside of this bar. Something Spring Something Tavern. And I say to her, I think we're going to be able to be all right in here, even though as grungy as we are. And so we get out in the rain. We run over there, and it's called the Spring Something Tavern and uh turns out we're fitting right in with this crowd because this is a place well known on the uh, of a stop on the Appalachian Trail that runs from Georgia to Maine. There were uh backpackers and hikers everywhere in there. All their uh back backpacks and and their whole their all their gear all piled up in the front because the weather was so bad everybody who was nearby was trying to get out of it. And uh that was just neat in itself. We had a couple of conversations with people. We weren't the overly social talkative types because we were kind of Tired at that time Had a bite Had a couple of beers By that time We could check in To a hotel room And that's what I needed And I said Here's what we're gonna do We are gonna go To Asheville Downtown Get a hotel room And stay here for the weekend So while there are a lot of plans To this Quote unquote Vacation There was also a lot of Figuring it out As we go And I knew the uh, baseball team was in town But this rain was bringing in More rain and colder temperatures So I wasn't sure how that was going to work out Come into Saturday We take it pretty uh, chill out on Friday Hit a couple more bars Then uh, Saturday I'm looking for a liquor store And I get lost because I put the GPS in wrong I put it in in walking directions instead of driving And I get all kinds of turned around And I'm frustrated as hell And I just need a bottle of gin And I get lost a little bit But then I figure it out and I look up and there's a baseball stadium, McCormick Field. I've been there countless times, and I just said fate brought me to standing right in front of this ballpark, even though it's 40 degrees out, and this is no good for baseball, but I have to go in here. So I got my bottle of gin. I texted my girlfriend and said, listen, if you want to stay at the room, I'm going to go to the game now, or I'll come pick you up, and we'll come back to the game here in a few minutes. So, this was a day game at around three o'clock in the afternoon, and she's a doll. She's not into baseball by any stretch, but she is uh, absolutely a doll. And she was like, No, no, I want to go, of course. So, went and picked her up. We went to the game, caught about three or four innings before the rain came again, and washed it out, had a beer, took a couple pictures, watched a couple innings. And whilst I was playing around, you know, at the ballpark, looking at different things, talking to people, she was on her phone, and she comes across Keller Williams. At Pisgah Brewing Company, I believe is what you, is how you say it, in Black Mountain, North Carolina, 10 miles north of where we were sitting right then in about four and a half hours on 420, doing what is called Grateful Grass, which is bluegrass renditions of the Grateful Dead. She's like, oh, look at this, look at this. This is in a few hours. I was like, oh, my God. Well, there we go. That's what we're going to do for 420 in Asheville. And we uh, got an Uber out there, drank some beers, and it was... 38 degrees, I think, is as low as it got. Uh, no rain, though. We knew it wasn't going to rain, so we said we'll brave the cold. And it was it was fun. It was a great way to end the weekend. And then we were back in town on Sunday in time to throw everything out of the car, get caught up on a few things that we need to do before the Monday rolls around. And Game of Thrones Season 8 premiere is that night at 9 o'clock, which we watched with some friends. Again, more on Game of Thrones coming up in the final segment of the show. So there's a quick rundown. But of all the fun things that we did for that uh, six-and-a-half-day stretch, one thing excited me more than anything. And why that excites me more than anything I think is an interesting story in itself that I just kind of started to figure out over the course of the last few years. And I will get to that coming up next. This is the Stone on Air podcast, the not-so-weekly-dose for April 24th, 2019. Hang tight, I'll be right back. In my mind, I'm gone to Carolina.
0: Can't you see the sunshine? Can't you just feel the moonshine? I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Okay kids, get ready to read some road signs. Here they come. Begin road work. Beware of the dog. Do not enter. No parking anytime. Railroad crossing. Reduced speed ahead. Right lane must turn right. Road closed to through traffic. Road work, 500 feet. School bus stop ahead. Slower traffic, keep right.
1: Welcome back into the show. Uh, street signs. Road signs, traffic lights, traffic signals for some reason is something that I have quite the I'm almost obsession with but that's kind of anything handbills posters advertisements uh beer signs I just I really like anything especially if it's made out of metal wood uh, anything out there to be weathered I'm a I'm a fan of License tags? I went on a long kick where I couldn't get enough license plates. I've kind of gotten out of that, grown out of that one a little bit. And why is that? I never really realized exactly what it was for a long time. I'm a collector at Nature. Not quite a hoarder. Pack rat to be sure. Don't like to throw things away. I like time stamps. I like newspapers. Nothing can 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 freeze a moment in time better than a newspaper or a magazine or as I mentioned a handbill. And I I've realized over the years of all the things that I dislike about the country we live in, because there's certainly a lot of things to dislike. There is so much to absolutely love about just the landscape of the country that we live in and the if if you were to compare me to the average person of middle to little to no means which is sadly a very very large majority of uh, of this country i would be looked at as i would be on that scale as a on that pie graph as a well traveled person but if you put me in a uh, middle to above to a lot of means type of uh, comparison, then I'm not well-traveled whatsoever. And the average, I would say, this is just me, you know, kind of talking out loud and not using any kind of graphs or s- stats or specifics or numbers. But from my vantage point, from, um, from me growing up and the, and the peer groups and the people I was around and the people I know now and their children and their families... It does kind of tend to seem that everybody's just in a routine. The, you know, the, the family with the, the picket fence and the dog, the cat, the girl, the boy, the mom and the dad before they have inevitably get divorced, before the kids are even out of high school, um, they tend to always go to the same place. They go to Destin every year. They don't, they don't pick a new place every year. That's too difficult that's too that that's not gonna please the um, the the modernized American family that we have uh, that, that we've kind of designed in the culture that we're in you got to go to Destin every year I would lose my mind if I had to go to Destin every year because that's what I don't know the kids wanted it to do or whatever so it does seem like a lot of people don't really get out and you um, and travel all that much outside of what they're used to. And certainly I have not done nearly the amount of traveling I'd like to. I've, uh, I've never been outside of North America. I've taken a couple of steps into Tijuana, a couple of steps to the Niagara Falls side of Canada, and then a uh, you know five to seven day stretch in Cancun when I just got out of high school, which barely even counts. So I would love to see more of the countryside, but I have seen a little bit uh, Southern California, Colorado, the Midwest a little bit, Ohio, Chicago, lots of areas of Illinois, uh, all the driving lanes between Chicago and here, the Carolinas, uh, both the Virginias. You know most of the southeast uh, from this side of the Mississippi River, and what I find to be fascinating is overall transportation, the evolution of how we get from one place to another, and more specifically how we do it here in this country with the just incredible terrain and landscape that we have across from uh, coast to coast, and it's it's just it's interesting to me to see different city centers and how they come together, especially after spending so much time in rural North Carolina and downtown Marshall and downtown Hot Springs and uh, other areas where you can see their little city centers. And you wonder, because of the development of roads, how these came together 150, sometimes 200 years ago. In the relatively short period of time that is still, I believe, and consider an experiment that is the United States of America, it is remarkable where things have gone in what is now almost 250 years. You can go to Milwaukee, and um, the street lights are vertical on the uh, on on the sides of the road. They don't have the upside down L shape where they hang down in front of you. If you were driving around in an old neighborhood in downtown Milwaukee where they still have You know, potentially 100 year old uh, neighborhood bars at the corner and the mailman walks down the street with a bag of mail and puts it on the mailbox up uh, uh, by your front door as opposed to mailboxes out at the front of the street. You'd be driving down the road and if you didn't look right or left, you wouldn't necessarily even see the red, yellow or green light that is on a vertical pole. Um, it's just the way they did things there as they became a a city center, however many years ago, as opposed to the way newer cities in uh, certain areas have done it with the different way the lights are set up, the different kind of uh, Denver is all kinds of mess. Ever tried to drive around in, uh, in, in Denver, Colorado, I'll just tell you they're, they're not gridded out to where you know they're in uh in city blocks you've got you've got streets coming from all kinds of different angles with traffic lights positioned in all kinds of wacky ways to me it's just very fascinating to see how that happens you know the evolution of uh generations of of city development and so i've i've collected street signs for for many many years i probably have 25 to 30, anywhere from dead end to speed limit 30 to uh, no smoking to uh, littering and loitering and everything else. And some of them mean something to me a little bit, and some of them mean absolutely nothing other than I just think it's cool-looking decor in my kind of rustic setting. But I have a Highway 41 sign that I got off of Broad Street about four or five years ago that had been kind of hanging, looked like it was dangling about to break for a while, but it's very, very... um. Very, very populated in downtown Chattanooga on Broad Street, so I never went and messed with it. Well, on the 4th of July, back in probably 14, I had to work and there was almost nobody around. And I went over and I yanked it down and I broke it off. Yes, come and get me. Take me to jail. I stole the Highway 41 sign off of Broad Street. Well, it's one of my favorite pieces of the house because growing up, one of my favorite bands... Almond Brothers man, I was born in the backseat of a Greyhound bus rolling down Highway 41. And remembering as I was in high school and later thinking about Highway 41, oh wait, hold on. Before there was I-75, the only way to get through the southeast, or at least one of the primary ways to get from Chattanooga to Nashville anyway, was Highway 41. Ringgold Road, right down the road from where I live, is Highway 41. Broad Street, where I work, is Highway 41. And to have a government manufactured and issued Highway 41 Tennessee State Highway sign, I think is really, really, really cool. So where am I going with all this? Here is where I'm going. I'm walking down the street in Asheville last, uh, last week on that Wednesday, the first day we're there all day long. We're just aimlessly walking around. And we're not in the best of moods, actually. It might have been had a little bit of a hangover we're trying to uh, shake and just not exactly sure what we want to do. Uh, I can be irritable. She can be irritable. We can be irritable together. And then we can get over it pretty quickly, normally. And so we're walking down the street like, let's just go a few more blocks and see if we run into anything worth looking at. And we come up on uh, a sign. I said, hey, look at that. Look, It says Asheville FM 103.3. Well, I'm a radio guy, obviously, so I'm immediately like, oh, I got to go over here and see what this is all about, so I go up to this very, very small little uh, building, uh, just kind of a single uh, unit, standalone, really small little house-looking kind of thing, and it's open because it's a Wednesday, you know, regular business hours, but this is a pretty small outfit here, and I don't want to bother anybody, so I'm just kind of looking in the window, and somebody's sitting in the car, this younger uh, woman, and she's smoking a cigarette, just lit it up and said, hey, can I help you? and very kind. And I said, uh, no, no, well, I don't know. I was just, you know, taking a look at the, the radio station here. I was just interested in it. And then started talking to her about it for a minute. And I said, hey, uh, do you have any stickers? And she's like, yeah, yeah. Do you care if I finish this cigarette first? And I said, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Finish your cigarette. I'll just hang out out here. And so me and uh, Brittany start talking, uh, just uh, you know, looking around, whatever. And then this car pulls in. This woman who has bright orange hair with these dark uh, b- black roots. And she clearly is not from this country. I couldn't quite pick up on the, um, on the accent of where it might have been from because I wasn't really talking to her one-on-one. But she had seen me and Brittany, who has bright blue hair, walking down the street. And she's like, I saw you earlier. And I just I didn't want to just pull off and talk to you, but then I turned around and had to go do something. And I came back and I saw you guys in this parking lot. I had to pull over and ask you about your hair and how you how you did how you do that or whatever. She said I wasn't I'm not sure. So while they're talking, the girl the woman in the car goes in to get me a couple of stickers and we talk a little bit more about the station. Then I walk back over to bright blue and uh, bright orange hair talking shit. The, the bright orange hair doesn't get out of the car. They're just talking through the window. And then she's like, well, it's so nice to talk to you. Have a great one. And she pulls off and right by her car where um, I might not have looked otherwise is a street sign with its, with its post still broken completely on the side of the road. That says something about community watch. It's, it's green, reflective green and white and Asheville, the police department phone number on it. So it says protected by community, whoever Asheville police department and a phone number. And I, w- it was like the heavens sh- shined down on this thing. I'm like, Oh my God, I found what I came for today. <laughs> there it is. I have to have it. And we're in an SUV, so the chances of being able to get it in the car is certainly possible, but it's the middle of the day. Um, technically, taking a broken sign off of the ground and taking it home with you really, in the end, is just picking up garbage and taking care of it and getting rid of it for the city. But I would say, actually, more specifically, legally, technically, it's stealing it, <laughs> I would think. So I'm still a little nervous when I do these kinds of things. So we let, I, I grab the sign, and I throw it by the side of the building. So it's not just sitting there, you know, for anybody to see. And we leave, and we run around, and we go do stuff. And I come back. We come back uh, right after uh, right after nightfall, so around eight thirty to nine o'clock or so. And um, we pull up to the side, and I jump out, and I'm going to grab it. And it looks like it's going to just fit in, but I can't tell. And I walk up, and there's somebody standing in the parking lot of that, uh, it's, it was right next to the radio station, whatever that, like an insurance company or something. And I immediately freak out and I like jump down. I look all kinds of guilty and, and you're just very suspicious. But these two are barely paying attention. They don't care. Nobody in the city of Asheville cares about anything. I mean, it's just as long as you're not harming anybody. It's, they're, they're cool. You do you, I'll do me. And that's pretty much how the entire community works. And then Brittany jumps down on her hands and knees, grabs it, and drags it past the side of the wall where those guys couldn't see. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I grab it, throw it in the back, uh, shut the door, and we take off. And go back down to the house uh, that we were staying at, the Airbnb. And, um, I was just like, I mean, on cloud nine, I mean, I'm a complete dork about this. The best thing I possibly could have got from this city was a real street sign that had information from the city of Asheville on it. And going into the weekend, I told her, I said, man, that sure would be cool to get a street sign. And she thought. Oh, yeah. Where do you think we can find one? I was like, oh, no, I meant like go buy one, <laughs> you know, at, a, at a, a, a thrift store or a uh, or an antique mall or a resale shop. I wasn't expecting to actually find one in use on the side of the road. And it absolutely made my day made my week for the most part. And so we get it in the car, we wrap it up because it's really dirty, ch- and, and it, it fits in pretty good, no big deal. We pack around it the rest of the way. Uh, the the end of it is all the way up in the front seat almost, the, por- the portion that goes down into the ground of the pole. And so we get it back here to Chattanooga after all this, and I put it in the yard with the rest of mine. And uh, I got some damn good ones, too. My Main Street one, got it right next to my Main Street one and my no-parking bike lanes one uh, that are still attached to the poles. And I'm looking out the window, having a drink, and it was that Sunday, and I was just thinking, man, that's cool. I am so happy to have gotten that thing, you know, 250 miles from there to here to my backyard. That's great. And then I look at the phone number, and it says, I don't remember the first, I'm going to make up the first three, 265, 262, whatever it is. And the last four numbers are 1110. My address, yes, I'm going to tell the whole world, my address is 1110 South Seminole. Does that mean anything? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. But the universe was speaking to us in that setting that we were talking about it, that it actually happened, and we actually pulled it off, and it actually had a number on it that was corresponded with the street address of my house. Again, probably doesn't mean anything, but it's difficult for me. To ignore, and I had a greater bunch of stuff I was going to go into from uh, the just the scenic views of the way we used to travel from coast to coast through highways. Uh, that the, there really is something about traveling these rural areas uh, via state highways, the uh, the diners, the city centers. the the informational uh, outlets like rest stops that are almost non-existent, Um, just different things that tell a story in their own by just looking around and paying attention and just soaking in the environment that you're in. And that's not a way that we travel anymore. It's more interstate, go, 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 and uh, hurry up, how fast can we get there? How fast can we fly? How fast can we drive? How fast can we get on a super train? And it goes back to a charming time when the landscape told a story that really nobody else can. And I again I had some articles I was going to read about it, but I'm going to decide to not do that because I'm already tired of doing this podcast right now and I want to get to the final segment of the show. Coming up next, is Game of Thrones a good show? Is Game of Thrones a clever show? Is Game of Thrones a intelligent show or is Game of Thrones just more trash TV like we regularly have out there to consume? Oh, look at from all angles. Coming
0: up next. Stone on air. We'll be right back. He's cool. Stoneonair.com.
1: Which is closer to reality of life and politics? Which TV show? The West Wing or Veep? Probably Game of Thrones. I was going to originally use that for something else. That's Hillary Clinton and some kind of uh, question and answer thing at some stage at probably some school. I don't know. Once again, I will warn you, if you are not caught up through season seven of Game of Thrones, you need to leave this podcast now. I don't know where I'll spoil the show, but at some point, I will. If you have decided to watch this show potentially at some point in the future, you absolutely do not want to listen to any more of this podcast. I'm not usually in the business of telling people to go away, but in this case, I am. Of course, this is the theme song. It's always very long at the beginning of each episode, so I can always make that my time to get up and refill my drink, as I've been binge-watching this show for some time now, as I mentioned earlier, all the way to where I had to squeeze in three to four hours of it on the final Sunday before that premiere, just to get it all in in time to have an hour to spare, so I'm, I'm a little exhausted of Game of Thrones, to be honest with you, and... So I do come completely transparent on this. It is going to be a little bit of the fatigue of it all is maybe going to make me biased towards some of the way that I look at this show. Um, I think if I, I, not, not, I think I know that if you have more time to dissect something, you can uh, you can have a clear understanding. Even it might be a better, it might be a worse, it might be a more uh, profound or a. Uh, or a less educated, depending on what kind of access to to resources you have as far as social media, message boards, and whatever it might be over the course of, of TV into the 21st century. So I've been watching this rapid pace, rapid fire, and that definitely will change my, um, that'll make my opinion different than a lot of people's, and I know that that's true. But it doesn't change the fact that it's still the way that I authentically think about it Game of Thrones season 8 premiere shatters ratings record delivered to 17.4 million viewers on Sunday evening across multiple airings including some streamings. By comparison, the finale of HBO's The Sopranos in 2007 had 11.9 million viewers. Of course, in 2007, the only way you were going to watch the show was to have it through uh, cable subscription or satellite service providers, so that's going to make that number considerably uh, different because of all the access that we have now. The show also blew up Twitter, racking up 5 million tweets. Game of Thrones is the extremely rare drama that has managed to grow its audience every single season. AMC's Breaking Bad was another. AMC's The Walking Dead, used to top Game of Thrones in the ratings, but the zombie drama has recently fallen to around 5 million weekly viewers. Put that show out of its freaking misery, please. Good Lord, that show sucks. And really, there's a lot of things about The Walking Dead and uh, Game of Thrones that I find to be similar. More on that in a minute. And the final from this piece that came from, I don't know where the hell this came from, somewhere online. Game of Thrones' seventh season grew to an average of about 32 million viewers per episode after months of streaming viewership. Was added. Uh, I guess uh, they have ways to keep up with all that. Every time I could watch an episode now, and that makes it thirty two point one oh oh one million or whatever it is. So obviously, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people watch this show, and lots of people like this show. And it is, uh, I I like it. I think I think it is. I think it is okay. I think it's a pretty good show. The fascination, the super fandom, I don't quite understand, but this puts it in one certain way, I guess. This is from browbeat.com. Kyle McCauley, uh, just a blogger here. Game of Thrones' most potent fantasy was a dream of global community. Not everyone watched, but it felt like they did. And that feeling might not Return. It goes on in depth on this. I'm only going to touch on a little bit of it. Although Game of Thrones' reach has been broadened by the influence of social media, the idea of cultural consumers imagining themselves as an interconnected group is an old one. Social scientist Benedict Anderson argued in 1983 that the daily newspaper and the novel were the cultural technologies that allowed early 19th century citizens to group themselves into what he calls Imagined communities. A feeling that led to the rise of what we now think of, of as nationalism. The newspaper connected a nation to the wider world, and the novel provided a nation with fictional ones. Game of Thrones' great promise was to somehow do both. Where the 19th century printers had cheap pulp paper, 21st century TV networks have the internet. Fan sites and social media have kept Game of Thrones in people's lives well outside of the show's run. Another uh, blog post here says, Is Game of Thrones really that good? Why do critics and the public like it so much? Uh, Derek Patterson is the name of this poster says, One main reason why Game of Thrones is so popular with fans and critics is that it's an incredibly successful crossover hit. What does that even mean? Well, it's a show that has gained high popularity with two types of audiences fantasy medieval enthusiasts, and people who generally enjoy a good show, regardless of genre. Game of Thrones is successfully telling human stories in a fantasy world. There is something for everyone to enjoy, and the list is violence, sex, drama, horror, romance, comedy, witchcraft, fantasy. Game of Thrones features some of the, mo- the best world-building we have ever seen in both a television and a novel series. The writing is smart, the characters are well-developed and sometimes unpredictable, and the storylines are unpolitically correct. In a certain sense, it symbolizes the destructiveness and divisiveness of politics, something that has become the norm in modern-day America. And while that's a, that's a fun point, and that's a, a, an interesting and well-put way of putting it, I don't tend to see it that way. The way I look at this show is, is that it is the most perfect way, and The Walking Dead, probably, I guess these shows came out about the same time. These two shows have kind of done it uh, in, in in very similar ways. It's just on different platforms. Both of these shows have figured out how to appeal to both the intellectual type and to the lowest common denominator, Now, how do you do that? We'll leave Walking Dead alone for a minute since this is less about that and that show technically completely sucks now and uh, uh, Game of Thrones does not suck. If you give any amount of an audience enough gratuitous violence and sex, you are going to keep them there for a long time. We are, we have now collectively have access nonstop to whatever graphic material we want At any given time. And we have for about the last. I guess for sake of argument. I'll say 10 years. But really as abundant as it is now. Maybe even less. But in the grand scheme of entertainment purposes. 10 years ain't that long. So all this pent up. uh, Desire. That the average entertainment consumer has had. Or has been taught that they're. That's appropriate enough for them to consume. Is really overflowing in shows like Walking Dead, but most certainly shows like Game of Thrones. Uh, this is a show built on incest, rape. From what I understand in the books, blatant pedophilia. From what I can tell from the show, very very insinuated pedophilia, uh, brutal murder with some uh, with some strategic fighting and war themes that we've always been. Uh, fascinated by and you put all that together and you get the perfect concoction for a viewer base for a entertainment craved appetite that is becoming insatiable. Now I'm certainly not trying to sit over here and be, you know, preacher man. I mean, everybody at this point knows that I don't I'm not offended by much of anything and, and as long as consenting adults are involved and no, you know, laws on the books are being broken, then I don't really give a damn what you do, what you watch, what you get your rocks off on. None of that bothers me uh, whatsoever. Um I'm just talking to the to the to the fan base, to the to the Twitter mob, to the uh to the Reddit posters that that I just don't think this show is quite as good as everybody's making it out to be. And the re- well, they look, you know, these numbers, these huge numbers of most people 32 million, 17 million, 25 million, whatever the number is. Well, if you give dullards enough sex and violence, they're going to keep tuning in if you do it well. And this show does sex and violence very, very well. Uh, Walking Dead does violence very, very well. I remember there was an episode uh, many, many years ago, many seasons ago where, um, I don't I'm not even beginning to try to remember what was going on in it, but plus I'd bore you trying to. But there was not one zombie scene, not one fight, not one drop of bloodshed the entire episode. And a lot of the threads on the uh, recaps were like, this was one of the most boring ones I've ever seen. And really it was one of the most storytelling, uh, very, very clever and and well-written episodes of the entire season, if not the entire show. But there wasn't any zombie Brains being bashed in, and so the dollars of the world didn't, didn't, uh, didn't like it. And so it, I first called it kind of the Walking Dead phenomenon or the Walking Dead theory, and now it's even more uh, the perfect example. It's the Game of Thrones theory. If you can get enough decent writing, a big enough budget, and a and a, and a good enough. Set design and graphic design and makeup and all that. If you can get the top notch of all those things and you can just overload a show with sex and violence and taboo like pedophilia and incest if you can load a show up with that with very very good looking people i joke to my uh, to my girlfriend that every person in this show male and female even the the ones that aren't very pretty technically the, the less attractive ones in the face have the nicest butts i've ever seen every naked person in that show has an incredible ass Man and women. So, I mean, if you can do this right and you can put this formula just right, you're going to get a lot of numbnuts who watch just because they can't wait to see a tit. And if you can get just good enough storyline to go along with those same very uh, curiosity-driven intellectual types that also are like kind of a little turned on by that taboo and uh, and gratuitous sex and violence, and you can put that all together, you've got yourself the Game of Thrones theory. It's not necessarily a good show. It's just attracting viewers because they have a platform HBO that is that really nobody's ever had before where they can pretty much do whatever they want, almost. So enough of the generic kind of overview. Basically, the show's not that good is what I'm trying to say. And um, I, I I, know nobody wants to hear that. The show's just fine. And I'm interested to see how it ends. But it was a chore to watch, and I can totally wait till next Sunday. Like, there's so many other things that I need to get done, and I'm more interested in doing than sitting down and watching Game of Thrones on Sunday. But I'm happy to do it. Happy to do it with my girlfriend and our friends. It's a social setting in its own right. I like it. I'm happy. I'm not mad. I'm just saying, slow down with the, you know, hashtag best show ever. This is something from wherever the hell it came from. Top reasons many people absolutely hate Game of Thrones. Number one is there are too many characters. I couldn't agree with that more. There are too many damn characters. Trying to remember every character is difficult enough, but the unfamiliar names make it almost impossible Fan favorites like Jon Snow are refreshingly simple to recall, while characters like Marcella Baratheon, uh, who disappear and then reappear seasons later, are hard to keep track of. And that's absolutely true. If I didn't have closed captioning, I wouldn't be able to understand what half these people are saying because of their thick accents and the Targaryens and the Baratheons and the uh, whoever the hell else I can't remember now. I'm beginning to finally put the names together. But there is a lot of plots and subplots going on in the show and often meaningless. Another thing that um, that people say the narrative is, which I just don't believe, uh, because I'm watching it, and I, it's not that I don't believe it; it's just not true. That oh, they kill off main characters. You never know when they're going to kill off a main character. No, they actually don't kill off main characters. They they really don't. They killed off uh, Ned Stark in the first season, so he's really not any more of a main character than a than a guy who's just dead. His uh, the the Targaryens. And whoever else that's involved of that were in the mad, the mad King Targaryen was killed before that. And they never showed him and he's just as much of a main character and he'd never been on screen once. So what a main character is or isn't is getting confused here. Ned Stark is not a main character as a standing there alive person. He's just as much a main character as Jesus Christ would be in some kind of a religious movie where he ne- he never actually is in a scene. And really, that's what started that whole phenomenon. of Oh, my God, I can't believe they killed Ned Stark so early. Well, yeah, okay, that's fine. But they haven't really done that a whole lot of other times. Rob Stark, he's not a main character. Uh, what's uh, Lady Stark, uh, Ned's wife's name? Can't remember. She's not really a main character. Yeah, she's the wife. She's the mom. But she's really not any more main character than anybody else. Uh, I guess one of the closer to main characters, quote, unquote, that was killed off. Uh, Littlefinger, right? Isn't that his name? I mean, he was a character who was built to die. There's so many times when I'm watching the show, I'm like, well, that guy will be dead soon, and that guy will be dead soon. But you want to know who main characters? Arya Stark, not dead. Sansa, Jon Snow, uh, Khaleesi. Uh, Jamie Lannister, Cersei Lannister, uh, Tyrion Lannister, all main characters, not even close to dead. Yeah, well, their father was killed, uh, dude. Yeah, he was a character set up to die. He was not a character who was supposed to live. Show knows what they're doing, but so they've even created narratives amongst the, uh, the the social medias of the world. Oh, my God, can you believe they'll just kill anybody today? No, not really at all. They'll kill anybody because they kill people every single episode, but they don't actually kill off true Main characters. Uh, This is uh, number three. It says, there's no reason for certain plots. Uh, Deadspin writes, giant chunks of the show are wrapped up in long explanations that don't do much to advance the plot. And then a tragic or horrific event happens in order to captivate the audience. This is simply lazy storytelling and promotes violence for violence's sake. And that's what I've also told my girlfriend many times is that these shows are about 15, 20 minutes too long. It's it, the, the 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 fighting scenes are clank 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 slit clank 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 slash clank 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 that being the, the swords that hit each other in these knife fights clank 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 beheading clank 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 kill the horse you know and it, it just show as much graphic blood and guts as you can and then when it's over somebody standing there win, who who wins who you already knew was going to win to begin with. Because this show is not as unpredictable as people would lead you to believe that it is. When you get a week between shows for like eight years to sit around and conspiracy theory about things online, yeah, you can come up with anything that make you think you don't know what's going on. When you watch them pretty quickly, you realize, yeah, that's happening. That guy is going to die soon. Oh, hey, the White Walkers are about to do this. Which, by the way, the White Walkers are just turning into glorified zombies. Turning this show into just a almost X-rated Walking Dead. Because of the gratuitous sex and violence, viewers generally know where things are going when they watch Game of Thrones. It's a lot of long, drawn-out speeches, beheadings, rape, incest, and more exposition to top things off. Exactly what I was saying Before, uh, and I'll wrap this thing up here in a minute. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Winter's been coming for the entire damn show. (laughs) Since, like, the first episode, they've been talking about winter coming. Either get winter here, which I guess it's finally showing up, I don't know. Or, um, or, or just, just slow down, you know, enough already about winter. We get it. It's gonna suck. So, I mean, it's, it's a fine show. It's a fun show show to watch. It's a little annoying at times, but it's pretty good. It, but it's just that it's just pretty good. And I look forward to uh, watching it. I, it's not that I can't wait, but I, I will watch again this Sunday at nine and I will not be a butthole about it and, and sit over there and, and, and try to be uh, you know, a Debbie Downer about it. But there are just certain things that some people just don't quite pay attention to. And it is really, really easy to entertain dumb people. And I'm not saying that the, the, the even the majority of the countless millions of people that watch this show are dumb, but a whole hell of a lot of them are. So I guess in the end, the biggest praise should go to the writers and creators of Game of Thrones because they've been able to take a show and appeal to all the intellectual types all the middle of the road types and all the numbnuts that barely have a cheated their way through questionable 12th grade education in rural, you know, Southeast America. So if you can captivate all those different kinds of audiences, hell, I guess you're doing something right. But is it a great show? No. So anyway, I might do some more of those kinds of things once I get the Patreon thing up and off the ground. When that'll be, I don't know. I'm done trying to set Uh, Deadlines and dates and time frames I'm just living life one day to the next Radio Monday through Friday Day job Monday through Friday Trying to have some fun on the weekends Trying to get some house projects done around the house Trying to be an adult for once in my life Hey, when it happens, it happens And the support I get from you, the listener Means more to me than I could possibly ever uh, effectively say out loud so uh thank you very 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 much i gotta fly we'll do it again probably next week it's the not so weekly dose for april 24th the day after 423 day here in chattanooga tennessee my name is brian stone at stone on air on all social media y'all have a great week